Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. Welcome to episode 115. And today we're going to talk about how to find your way to some clarity concerning your meaning and your purpose, not your meaning, your purpose Mm -hmm. and uh, the life uh, of purpose, you know? Yeah. What good, am I trying to say, John? Help good, me out. Good distinction between what your between meaning and purpose, I mean. Yeah. So this I would say is a navigational tool uh for and more than just a name, which we'll get to in a bit, but but for uh where you are now and where you might want to be in the future. Yes. Yeah, so um the worst thing you get to do is live your life uh not on purpose. So Exactly. Everybody ends up somewhere, very few people end up somewhere on purpose. And most people have at some point in their life or will or multiple times in their lives wrestle with the existential question what is my life all about yeah why am i here is the world going to be different when i'm gone what is the meaning of my life what purpose do i serve we're going to help you with that i love it i'm excited yeah so before that john it is uh, story time or joke time i don't want to assume you're not going to tell a joke but uh you're up well you could have assumed i will be telling a story uh, it'll, I'll tell a story about my experience during this last heat wave, which is funny. Cause it's almost like, um, everyone, everyone experienced the heat wave, right? So it's not like a unique perspective. Big guys might experience the heat wave a little differently than small guys. It's possible, but 115 probably feels like a lot to most people. I'd imagine even if you're the crypt keeper, you're probably, you the know, crypt sweating. keeper. That's, yeah. that, you're, that's down in the catacombs or something, right? So you'd be cooled yeah. off down there. Not, not when they trudge up, up to the, the surface. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, so we live in an apartment, me and Lindsay. And, uh, so normally we just have a fan on and we're in the, the lower level. It's kind of like a daylight basement. So generally we do okay through the it's summer. It's like a walkout basement. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, Normally, it's a little cooler down there, and we do okay in the normal hot, quote-unquote hot. So, like, you know, up upwards of, like, 95 is the most we normally get around here in this region. Yeah, and I would say at 95, you're not happy down there. But so, no. But, but up, to, up to 90, you usually are. You're okay even at high 80s. Even at 95, going to sleep, and if we have a fan on, it's not a problem. Okay. We'll be all right. All right. So, this was, I heard someone say before the heat wave, and once you get past 95, it's all the same. That was... 100 percent yeah that guy's a liar yeah that was uh, maybe they're just an experience i don't know anyway so uh this was crazy my truck has no air conditioning we spent a weekend up at my mother-in-law's house she has no air conditioning that got pretty intense then we came home (laughs) and so uh the day i was gearing up for was monday monday was going to be the hottest day of the stretch yeah and uh i had to go into the office and then we me and Lindsay, had stayed at your house my parents house because you guys have air conditioning. Yes, we do. Uh, Sunday night, we were going to stay there Monday night as well. So I was going to go from the church to uh, here in Tonino. So about 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, with no air conditioning. In the truck. At the peak heat time at 5 p.m. Which is the hottest moment of the day. And it was going to be about 115 at that point of day, the time wow. of the day. And so, you know, I figured I'll just hydrate up beforehand and uh, and it won't be that bad. And so <laughs> <laughs> I end up getting the okay to leave a little earlier before peak heat time because uh, how much earlier 
I think it was about two or three o'clock. Oh, so that's it, way earlier. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I finished working at home. I didn't, you know, right. But, you didn't call it a day. No, but, but you got out of there. Right. And so, uh, then it was about one Oh nine, maybe. And, uh, so I walk out there and, you know, in the air conditioned church, I'm thinking maybe it's not that bad. But as soon as you open the door, it's like, <laughs> it's unlike anything. Do you, have you seen that episode of King of the Hill where they go to Phoenix, Arizona? No. Uh, they're in a parked car and uh, uh, Bobby, you know, the boy gets out yeah. <laughs> and Bobby, it's 110 in the, in Phoenix in this yeah. episode. And he goes, he goes, mom, this is crazy. And Peggy's like, it can't be that bad. And she gets out and she goes, Bobby, this town is a testament to man's arrogance that they would build a town where it gets this hot. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so it was a little bit like that. And uh, so I get in the car and basically I leave the church bone dry. I pull into the driveway through my shirt, like sweat through my shirt. Oh really? Yeah. All my back, like all my side, I'm like, like drenched in wow. a 30 minute drive. Wow. And what had happened was I was like, well, once I get moving, if I have the windows down, I do this vortex technique that you've taught me where you, mm-hmm. you open the, the sliding window in the cab in the back and you open both the passenger and driver windows and it creates a vortex. And so I figured once I get moving, nothing can touch me. I could be on the sun. I'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> this air was so incredibly hot and I thought that it was getting the when it entered the cab it was getting heated up in the cab but I stopped at a stoplight I went the um, uh, auto mall way behind the church so yeah. I stopped at a stoplight there and uh, and I like feel cooler I'm like well, what what happened and I realized it was this molten <laughs> air blowing on me but if I rolled up the windows it would just start baking me yeah so it was a lose-lose so uh, I get home and I'm like singing as loud as i can i'm doing everything i can just to like not think about the heat and i get oh in. on the drive yeah on the drive yeah and uh so but if i was going to my apartment afterwards so i i'm thinking of everyone here who does not have air conditioning or did not have someone they know with air conditioning where they can hang out then it would have been from the fire to the frying pan i would have still been it would have been cooler than the truck but it would have still been miserable yeah so instead to come walk into a basic refrigerator uh it was pretty great it felt very very good and then the uh, that night, some people might have experienced this too, uh, where it was like eighty the night before, all late through the night. We drove to your guys' house at like ten thirty, and it was, and 80, it was degrees. eighty degrees. It yeah. felt like Florida, and uh, like even windows down, we're still sweating at nighttime. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and so Monday night at sunset, it goes. It does. That's doing that same thing. It's like eighty degrees. It's nine thirty at night, and then in seriously 30 seconds it drops all the way to 60 degrees it was nuts. i've never felt anything like it before in my life it was like like someone turned on air conditioning in the earth's atmosphere right it was nuts and you liked it oh my goodness of course i did <laughs> of course and uh and since then i've i the next day that tuesday was 85 and it felt like i was you know in the netherlands or something it right. felt great yeah and uh, so i've had a new perspective I always uh, dread the later hot months. I dread August. I love uh, all the way up through June and normally July in the Pacific Northwest. Right. Uh, and so now I have, I've got a new lease on life. I'm enjoying, enjoying uh, the weather, even though it's hotter than I would probably normally like it. Uh, the night times, I'm loving being outside at night because here, I mean, this morning was 50 degrees. It was foggy. Even oh, it was 50 wonderful. Degrees. Wonderful. I sat in the hot tub. Yeah, I bet. That's probably nice. So anyway, that's my experience during the heat wave. Again, I feel kind of silly because one of the, it'd be like telling COVID stories, being like, "Man, you wouldn't believe what happened to me in COVID." <laughs> it's like, well, everyone would actually believe what happened to right, me in COVID. Right. 
Uh, but anyway, was, well, there you go. It was a it was a unique a unique time to, yes, be, it was. to be in the Pacific Northwest. And I tell you, we, uh, we've lived here ten and a half years. Yeah, I don't remember ever hitting triple digits in mm-hmm. the ten and a half years. So to me, this is really odd. It's crazy, and the uh, led me to do some research on it because I was like, "This is nuts." And uh, it was the heat dome. People were talking about the heat dome. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not familiar. But basically, the um, the jet stream, slipstream, jet stream, jet stream, jet stream uh, that goes across the Earth, yeah, uh, is getting a little wavier. And um, scientists expect climate change, but really they don't know yet. So that's just kind of the best guess. And when so the heat dome, basically the uh, slipstream jet stream created an omega shape with like a big bulb, and then it kind of pinches at the bottom, and that trapped a huge amount of hot air in the middle, and that was the heat dome. Oh, so just this inhuman amount of hot air, and that's why it was so still. You no air was coming in, in or out of this thing, and uh, so that was the heat dome. Wow. And uh, the uh, the they ran the odds on it and the percent chance of that happening to the Pacific Northwest, because our um, air, even uh, the pattern of the jet stream over the sound right. is unique to our region. It's right. kind of, it's a, it's a very particular place. The odds of that event happening over our region was one in 1000. Really? Yeah. So if you lived in, the, if you were immortal and you lived in the Pacific Northwest for 1000 years, this would happen exactly one time. So we should have bought lottery tickets. <laughs> we should have. Everyone in the Northwest should have bought lottery tickets. So ideally, what I mean is this won't happen again as far as long as we're alive. But, uh, I mean, the odds could change with things getting warmer. Who knows? Well, if it happens once in a thousand years, we just started a new thousand years, and it could happen on the third day of the next thousand. Oh, man. <laughs> you just, yeah, it could. It really could. Let's hope not. Yeah. All right. Let's get talking, John. Um, let me ask you. Mark Twain said the two most important days in a man's life, a person's life, is the day they're born and the day they figure out why. Mm-hmm. Why were you born, John? Man, why you got to do this to me? <laughs> I'm here to learn. <laughs> day okay. one in the classroom, and, the, right. and the, the music professor says, play us. Yeah. Uh, or paint, uh, the art professor says, paint us the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. Day okay. One. Okay, I'll back off. How? What percentage of people do you think have some sense as to what their contribution to the world is or their, their reason for being. Uh, I would say verbally confession of having a reason for being or a purpose, uh, maybe 60%, 50, 55. I'll say 55. I'll be a little more, more than half. Yeah. Verbally. I would say if you were to go into their minds and say, do you really know? It'd probably drop to maybe, you know, 35, 40. That's really interesting. I'm curious, listener, if you agree with John's um, theory, hypothesis. I I would think it's way lower. You think so? Well, I think it's a very common human dilemma to wonder. Let me go ahead. I would say in my, my figures, I'm talking someone with certainty. So this would be someone who would say life is meaningless and I have no purpose. But they would that would be their answer. Oh yeah, I'm so, not. I'm not talking about those guys. Okay, I was. So I'm, I'm talking people with convictions about it. So if someone would say, "I'm here to serve my living God. I'm here to, um, you know, do something with karma or serve Allah, or or I'm here for no reason at all because I believe there's no God." I'm talking some kind of conviction. People who go, "Why am I here?" and they're shaking their fists. Yeah, I think that would be for the 45. That'd be the opposite of the 55 that I said verbally. Okay, and I think that's part of because 
the most of my interactions with the anonymous man is over the internet Mm -hmm. and everyone's so certain about everything. Everyone's so certain about what they're saying on the internet. That's where that comes from. That's interesting, isn't it? But, uh, and do you think that's an authentic certainty? That's why my number dips. If you go into the, and if you were to see their true, um, their true, I don't know, consciousness about it. Okay. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this part of the conversation because I feel like maybe it's because of what I do for a living and the conversations I have. People come and talk to me when they are stuck. Oh, sure, sure. So maybe I have a skewed perspective because of those conversations. I could see that. Yeah. But even in my journey with you, uh, with your brother, Tim, who's certainly listening to this episode, he listens to every episode. Hello, Tim. We love you. (laughs) Um, You know, there are times when you go, what am I doing with my life? And I think people hit that. And there's a midlife crisis uh, that occurs to most people where even if they've had a career and they've been successful financially or whatever, yeah, uh, you hit this point where you go, is this really what it's all about? And, and um, what does my life mean? Have I made a contribution? And, but more than that, really, I, I guess to be more specific about what we're trying to accomplish in today's episode, and by the way, we're going to give you a tool at the end of this conversation that's going to help you, and it's a free tool, and uh, it's, a, it's an assessment tool that you can go online and take, and we believe it's going to really help you gain some sense of direction if this is a conversation that's helpful to you. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is... Um, vocational decisions what should i do for a living sure uh what are my unique talents and how could i live my life in a way that i feel great about what i'm doing how well i do it my life is meaningful to me my life is contributing to what i want to contribute to that sense of of real confidence there i would say what percentage of people live with that level of confidence and engagement right now? I would say it's 25% or less. Vocation is, I don't know why I didn't think about that. I was, I guess I was thinking more, um, as far as maybe more meaning than, than purpose kind of thing, which yeah. I, at the very beginning we, we differentiated. Against. Right. I should have thought more on the purpose end. Um, vocationally i would i would agree with you it might even be 20 percent. i wonder how many people are in a field right now where they feel like they're really making a difference or helping or um that that's interesting and i wonder especially secularly i wonder how you find a sense of vocational meaning or vocational purpose uh if you don't believe in some kind of you know uh spiritual authority or anything like that you know this is really interesting because um I have some people in my life that come to my mind right now. One of them is a gal who is very, very good at her job. She is a high-level leader in an organization that's quite large. Hmm. She uh, directs significant um, operational decisions and financial acuity within that organization. Sure. And yet that person would say, uh, my job is meaningless. Mm. To which I say, well, frankly, you're helping an organization prevail, and that organization employs 3,000 people, and you're contributing the work that that organization does, contributes to the life of its customers. Yeah. Um, so in that way, you could say, you know, if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're a sanitation engineer, 
uh, hey, trash has to be picked up and um, proper disposal of, of waste is a is a big community issue. Yeah. So there's that sense where you could you could find the meaning there. But I mean that it's meaningful to you. Well, and I think I could honestly see it being more challenging for someone further removed from the actual work of their work. Right. So like the sanitation engineer himself, Mm -hmm. I could see it being easier for that person to find the value in their work than the guy who's scheduling sanitation engineers. You know what I'm saying? So like one guy's like physically picking up trash, cleaning up the community. And one guy is typing away at a computer, even though they do, they both contribute to the machine of that organization. Uh, I wonder if people like that woman who are, you know, a little removed from the actual, um, uh, well, I don't know, mechanics of the work or um, I don't know, or, or more in a office setting, bureaucratic setting, lots of lots of red tape kind of thing. I wonder if yeah. that just kind of sterilizes the entire thing for you. That could. I And as we're, while we're on the vocation conversation, I know another person that came to my mind who is crushing it in their vocation, making big, big dollars. Uh-huh. But they would say, I wasn't made to do this. This isn't this isn't the purpose of my life. This isn't meaningful to me. Would they say they have a purpose? And that's not it. Like, do they have a thing? They go, well, this isn't it. That's it. I don't know. That's the, that's where I'm getting in the broader conversation is, um, it's, it's not necessarily that you'll be doing this for a living. Gotcha. Um, like we've talked in the past, there were authors who had what they called bread jobs Mm -hmm. so that they could write, um, in their free time. And so I've got to feed the family and I've got to have income. So I guess what I'm talking about is not necessarily your vocation, but the fact that you're fully alive. Like, like this is what I is my unique contribution to the world, and it's how I am able to participate in in a bigger sense of life than my own. Gotcha. And uh, man, it's icing on the cake if you can do that and earn a living doing it. But I think that it's quite possible you could just do a great job on your job, but that's not you know, your, your purpose in life. And I wonder how much this, um, dream job or meaning and vocation alignment. I wonder how much of that is very, is something we get to enjoy as a privilege of being in a wealthy nation, a, a nation like ours where, you know, the, um, land of opportunity, people can chase and do their dreams mm-hmm. and you can, and even down to ministry, vocational ministry is, is not always, uh, something that a lot of churches can afford. So, uh, that like the pastor of a non-vocational ministry, a pastor who is a used car salesman and a pastor, mm-hmm. you got to wonder how much skill overlap there is there. But uh, <laughs> that person could say my meaning, my meaningful work. The reason I'm here is not to sell cars. I sell cars so that I can pursue my meaning that I right. so that I can lead people. Uh, so that similar, that thing, uh, I wonder how much of that is, is a very modern Western thing that I can make my meaning also my vocation. And in like you think about the culture of you know um, the ancient Near East, the you know ancient Mesopotamia and, and Israel and all that. How many you know you could find those people could find meaning, but uh, Paul's meaning wasn't making tents. Uh, uh, Peter's meaning wasn't fishing. You know, right? Yeah, I think those are all great conversations. Let me go this way. You talked about uh, your uh, hot ride in the truck. Have yeah. you ever, so let's go back to transportation. Have you ever been totally lost somewhere? Uh, yeah. Or gone, you know, way far out of the way cause you missed a turn or, and you didn't, you weren't aware of it. 
Yeah, I'm not in, you know, I've, I've grown up, ever since I've been driving at least, I grew up without smartphone technology, but since I've been driving, I've never not had a GPS in my pocket. You know, so it's, that's it's, that's really cheating because see, I, I I I drove many years with paper maps. Yeah, and um, there was a time when we would drive from Denver to Dallas or Dallas back to Denver in the dead of night uh, because with seven with five kids and seven seats in the vehicle and it's just we're all jammed in there. You want to drive while the kids are sleeping several hours <laughs> so that it makes it a more peaceful experience. And get it over as quick as possible. Yeah, so we would do that a lot. Well, one night, we're driving from Dallas to Denver, and um, I thought I had this. We had used the paper map so many times that I knew what I was doing. Sure. And there were a couple of complicated uh, short-distance transitions that had to be made on that trip to stay on course. And I thought I had them down pat. And it's probably two in the morning, and I see a sign that says Tucumcari, New Mexico, however many miles. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, no, because we've been to Tucumcari, New Mexico, had some fun times there, but that's not where we were headed. Sure. And I quickly pulled out the map and realized I had gone an hour and a half down the wrong road. Wow. I pull over. Everybody's asleep, including your mother, and I'm hoping nobody wakes up to hear to see what I've done. When you're turning around, and uh, I look on the map, and there is no way to cut that corner to cut across and get back where I need to go. I have to do an hour and a half back the other so way. So add a total three hours to a your three hour divergence to our trip. Wow. I am heart sunk. I am angry. Mm-hmm. I feel like an idiot. And I turn around and start driving. Sue wakes up about 40 minutes later, and I have to explain what, I, what I've done and what we're doing. And she took it like a champ and was encouraging and all that. I think there are people in their lives who say, I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. And how do I get there? And I think they feel that way, not about their vocations, although I think a lot of people, there is a growing sense in our culture that if you're not doing something vocationally that you absolutely love, then you're wasting your time. Totally. And I don't buy that fully, um, but I'm really grateful that we live in an era where that's more possible than ever before. And where it's valued, I guess, that people would value their uh, their passions in that kind of way. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, not necessarily, I remember the time that I got lost or that I was more that I had to backtrack and I was embarrassed. And it was uh, a buddy of mine was visiting from Colorado and I was going to show him uh, Port Townsend, mm. and so uh, I'm like, I don't, I know the way to Port Townsend, so I don't even, I don't put up the map for anything, <laughs> and I mess up at the soonest possible juncture you could mess up. And when you're going north on 101, you have to exit to continue on 101. Yeah, I, mean, I just didn't even do it. So I, we're, so you're on your way to Aberdeen. Yeah, exactly. So uh, after a while, Lindsay was with us, and she's the one who starts noticing signs. I wasn't even paying attention. I thought we were just going. <laughs> and so this one, everyone was awake. And the the local uh, local guide who you know knows his place like the back of his hand got to pull out the map and find a way back onto one hundred and one, uh, and it was fine, but it was embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the notion that your life is going somewhere. Do you know where you're going? Do you have a destination in mind? Do you have navigation tools to help you get there? And uh, I want to kind of use one scripture verse to to frame the conversation. Ephesians two ten. Okay, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance that we would do. Uh, 
Okay, so uh, I, I love this verse because workmanship is the Greek word poema. Uh-huh. We are his poem. We are a masterpiece oh, of God. And God, with this is the amazing thing. There are 7 billion people on the planet and no two of us are like. God has uniquely designed you. He has uniquely participated in your story. He is redeeming you. He's compensating for your stupidity. One of the great things I love is that when God called you to himself, he factored in your stupidity. Sure. I love that. Yeah, lucky us. <laughs> but uh, so so just using you as an example, John, you, you are a poem of God. Your life is his workmanship, his handiwork, his his art. And he is very engaged in your life. And he is um, wanting to uh, fully resource you, equip you, guide you, empower you, so that what you do with your life, the poem you become, both glorifies God and blows your mind. Um, this is the wonderful promise um, that is ours. Yeah, that's awesome. And and it's so kind of God to not just let us have menial existences, but want to do this for us. So the other word in there, so workmanship is the poema part. Mm-hmm. The other word is um, that we would, good works in advance, that you would do them. The The literal translation of that is that you would walk in them. Okay. So like he lays out a path for you and you And you walk just it. walk it out. So this isn't like even some big production where you're going to do this epic thing once in your life and now that was it. That was my masterpiece sure. moment. No, it's a, it's a lifestyle. Like what God is doing in you, the poem he's writing in you, the gifts and stuff he put in you is going to become organic to you. And just by walking out your life, you're going to live out this poem and uh, add value to the world around you, give glory to God, and experience meaningful fulfillment in the process. That's awesome. I love this idea. And my question to you, John, this is a little more personal, and you can say pass. How close are you to that right now in your life? To So again, you mean to the, the path that, I'm, that God... That, that you would say, I'm walking that out. Um, I, I, God is engaged in my life. Um, I, I feel like I'm being um, put together by God. He's participating with me, and I'm walking out my purpose. I think pretty close, honestly. And right now I'm, you know, um, putting in good work as far as our individual projects that we've talked about. And uh, I feel like I'm more disciplined lately. It's funny that I have a more positive answer for this than I did for the than for last week's discipleship ranking. I right. gave myself a C plus for that. Right. I would give myself a higher grade for this for whatever reason. I don't know why. That's really interesting. Isn't uh, it? Yeah. But uh, right now I feel like I'm doing pretty good on as far as um, pursuing what I feel like I'm supposed to be pursuing. Yeah. Yeah. How about yourself? Well, um, I think that um, I'm profoundly grateful and um, and I experience a high degree of that. And I think I get a little greedy and I want it to be laser sharp. Perfect. (laughs) And so there are times where I have a little bit many crises about, okay, should I be doing this differently or whatever? But overall, I feel very um, connected to God and that I'm following his lead in this way. Yeah. So uh, the gift I want to give to our listener is this uh, pathway, this tool that can be one part of helping you get this right. So we talked about driving, getting lost. We don't get lost anymore because we have a GPS on our phone. Every once in a while, the GPS is wrong. That's you know, true. the house we had up on the hill, 
if you used Google Maps, it would not take you to our house. It would take you to the other side the of the woods. I remember that. Yeah. There was, yeah, I, went, I was trying to get to a coffee shop in Bellingham. And uh, it took me to some random neighborhood about a quarter mile from there. And I had to you got to talk about some backtracking. You got to go way out of your way to get back to yeah. the main part of town. And a few times that the that the uh, map thing on the iPhone was, was so wrong. So the but, GPSs can be wrong every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but um, some people I really like have developed a tool and they use the same acronym GPS, which the idea is gifts, passions, and story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way a GPS works is it triangulates your position from a series of satellites. And because of these different satellites triangulating your position, they can identify your exact position within a few feet. Yeah. Well, this is the way this tool is designed that gifts, passions, and story can triangulate your, your position and say, hey, here's where you are. This is where God has uniquely equipped and framed and designed you. This is the poem he's telling. Now walk in this. And I love this. Let's, uh, we've, we've introduced it. Let's real quick do your uh, uh, media show and tell review mm-hmm. for the week. And then we will uh, unpack this tool and kind of uh, walk you guys through it after our commercial break. Sounds good. So my media today is actually a website. Oh, fun. And I'm a big fan of a dude that we've talked about before on this uh, show uh, named Henry Cloud. Henry is a uh, licensed psychologist. He Mm -hmm. is a big lover of Jesus. He's written lots of books. His most famous book is called Boundaries. And there are versions of that now, Boundaries in Marriage, Boundaries for Leaders. Um, Boundaries is an incredibly powerful concept. Sure. There's a website he has called Boundaries.me. And he puts out a daily video tip for you that's not very long and there's courses in there you can take courses for example on anxiety disorders where does my anxiety come from and how could i cope better with it and maybe even find healing yeah uh marriage videos anger conflict i mean just tons of stuff in there i have found it to be an incredible resource now it's not free okay but you could explore it for free and um, I just have found it to be an incredible resource for me as a pastoral counselor, as a as an individual who occasionally wants to figure out some tips on what I'm processing. Sure. So uh, I'm a big Henry Clown fan. If you don't want to do the website, uh, his his initial book, Boundaries, um, priceless, just really, really good stuff. So. You can either go do the book on boundaries or you can try boundaries.me, but I just couldn't give it a higher uh, endorsement. Awesome. That is boundaries.me. Yes. Awesome. All right. uh, Here's our commercial break. We will be back in just a minute. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives, and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com, where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. 
If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash Jim and John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right. Welcome back. Uh, this is episode again, 115. We are so grateful for everyone that uh, tunes in every week to listen. And uh, again, last week we asked that you would uh, share an episode that you liked if you found it particularly impactful or uh, or if you think of a friend when you're listening and you go, they might like to hear this, need to hear this. Uh, if you could show it to them, that's probably one of the best ways you could help us out. And the other ones would be to subscribe if you're listening right now and not subscribed already and to give a rating on the uh, podcast provider of your choice. Those three, the subscribing, rating, and telling a friend is the absolute best way you could help us out. So uh, we appreciate anything you could do. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, so here's a notion of how to triangulate your position and get a path forward. Three three topics, your gifts, your passions, and your story. <laughs> so let's talk first about gifts. The Bible teaches that whenever a person becomes a Christian, that the Holy Spirit gives them gifts. These gifts are discussed in three chapters of the of the New Testament, uh, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, and 1 Corinthians 12. Okay. And so if you want to read about the gifts, you can read those three chapters of the Bible. They're not long. And you'll see a representative list of these gifts and kind of how they operate. So uh, the notion is if you can figure out your gifts, one of the tools we use at Evergreen is a course called Shape. And the idea is if I can figure out uh, who God made me to be, then I can get it, figure out what God made me to do. Totally. So form and function. kind yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea of gifts, um, and I can use my kind of my own assessment results uh, as, as a potential, but it'll give you your top three or four gifts. You take an assessment, it gives you the scores. And for me, it was wisdom, teaching and shepherding and leadership. As your four gifts. As my four spiritual gifts. And so are these like skills? No, these are, these are, um, this would be a a spiritual gift would be a supernatural ability to do something that serves others, um, and contributes to God's kingdom. It's, it's like, it's, it's, you're really good at it. I, I like the notion, stealing this idea from strengths finders, um, which is a whole nother assessment process. Sure. Strengths finders, they define strength, and I like this. This might be a, pat- a compatible definition for a gift. It's something that you do nearly perfectly every single time you do it. Oh, wow. And in strengths finders, they say the reason you don't identify these as strengths is it's so natural to you. Do you think you, anybody can do it? You that think easy? anybody can do it? Yeah. Um, and so one of mine, for example, is woo. It's win others over. Hmm. And I have this natural ability to just win others over to myself, you know, be friends, to build, to make a comfortable connection. Sure. And um, that is a strength. So a spiritual gift would be that kind of idea that this is something you do almost perfectly because the Spirit of God put this gift in you. And it's his purpose is to give a variety of gifts to a variety of people so that every gift that's needed for communal health and growth and vitality yeah is present to build up the body. Yeah. And all of these are outward facing. They are. They're not necessarily not explicitly or exclusively self-serving. Yeah, you wouldn't say I have the spiritual gift of really making myself feel good. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, more like in colloquially a gifted artist or a gifted Oh, I see. You know, so that's where I was thinking like is it like technical skill or uh or more of a 
sense of intuition. Yeah. This assessment that I'm going to give you the link to will factor in abilities, but you simply list those. Gotcha. And so uh, if you have an, an artistic gift, music, painting, that just factors into the model. Yeah, that factors into the model, but that would not be identified in the gift assessment. Gotcha. I'm with you. Yeah. So uh, it's it's interesting that God takes the time to give us these gifts, but most of us don't take the time to learn about them Yeah, and use them. But they're very clarifying in how you can invest your life. And I know it can be on a kind of denominational breakdown like maybe a more charismatic denomination does actually spend a lot of time on the gifts and then more uh, stoic ones don't and so for me this is newer to, to talk about them in this specific kind of way yeah well there are manifestation gifts so mm-hmm. um speaking in tongues prophecy sure charismatic churches tend to spend more time on those gifts gotcha but those those are just a small segment of the gifts and um you could discuss whether those are resident within a person or if God just gives those as needed in a moment. Gotcha. But they're the, they're the exciting ones. They're the, the, they're the spotlight ones, the spotlight ones. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. The second category is passions. And, um, the notion of the passions in this particular assessment come from, um, Ephesians four, which is a, they list, you know, for he has given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, to equip God's people for works of service. So these passions are what you, they use an acronym, APEST, Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, Teacher. Gotcha, gotcha. And so uh, you're going to take an assessment um, that factors those in because the idea is that God's body, his group of people, his body, uh, have systems just like our physical bodies do. We have a, a, a um, cardiovascular a nervous system, a cardiovascular system. Well, the idea is that the body of Christ has an apostle system, an evangelist system, mm. a shepherding system, a teaching system. And they all support each other. They all support each other. And so it's not about one being better than the other, but which one are you? And so uh, you will take that in this assessment as well. And it'll explain to you what those outcomes mean. So it's really helpful. A, a evangelist, for example, is not that I go around telling everybody about Jesus and they fall on their knees and give their hearts to God. And sure. Revival breaks out on every street corner. It's that I have persuasion. I desire to persuade to a sales, a natural salesperson is going to score high in the evangelist um, passion. Totally. So that's the passions. Then there's the story where you start to just think through parts of your own story. And this, so the other ones, I guess I was surprised that, um, how few options there are in the first two categories. So it still means that in the combinations, you can get a lot of different combinations. Yes, you can. Uh, but uh, when, I don't know, so maybe it's because a lot of these other, um, like the MBTI is chock full. Like it's like, like very, very broad and maybe too broad. Um, so this one sounds like the most of the personally subjective ones or the very, very specific to you. Uh, one of the three of the, of the three GPS, the story seems like the most um, particular. It is. It's very particular. And with the gifts, there are probably um, 16 or more gifts. Okay. That is more than I thought. Then. Yeah. Because if you add Ephesians four, Romans 12, first Corinthians 12, they all list a different list. And so those all combine together to make about 16 or more gifts gotcha. maybe 19 so that with the five the apest the yeah that's quite a bit yeah and then the abilities portion that you fill in 
And so uh, it's going to give you quite a glimpse. I, I found the report to be very helpful. So the idea is go through this assessment. We're going to give you the link here in just a second. We'll also drop it into our Instagram. But if you're not driving a car, you can write this down. Sure. It's not hard to remember. It's giftpassionstory.com. So GPS.com was probably taking a long time I'm ago. I'm sure that was gone. So giftpassionstory.com. And uh, it's a free assessment tool you can take. They'll give you a report. You can share it with friends, um, have some conversations about it. So we're going to wrap this up, but this is this is kind of what I what I want people to play around with. You know, use yeah. the tool, take a look, see what you see what you can learn about yourself, about what God might be doing in you. See if it starts to light some fires. I, and I want to. I was going to ask more about the story. The other ones will give you an answer. Is the story part of the third kind of like? Um, you just reflect. Is it kind of on your own time kind of thing? Or Well, they have boxes. They have specific questions to answer. Okay. And that'll become part of your report. So most of those questions center around, look at your gift results and think about some times in your life where those might actually have happened, where you, you were used in that way or you experienced that. So there are those kind of questions. I would also encourage people to think about the hardest times you've ever gone through. Mm-hmm. Because we learn a ton through our pain. What um, unique training and education we've been uh, invested in. Sure. So to think about that, in that part of your story too, where have I had success? Where have I had failure? Where have I had pain? And where have I been equipped or successful in the past? Those aren't on this particular assessment, but I would encourage a keep person those in mind. to keep those in mind as you keep putting the whole package together. And uh, I'm honestly very excited to take this assessment. So I don't have a takeaway yet other than I'm eager to take this thing. Everyone loves, um, I think these personality tests in general are, tap into kind of the, the self-absorbed part of you. Everyone loves to learn more about themselves. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, what am I good at? What is, you know, tell me about myself. So this one, in actually a gospel-oriented way, I think, I'm, I don't know, I'm excited to take it. But uh, I want to ask, um, you're... you're GPS, your personal one. Yeah. What did it uh, tell you? It really, uh, it really confirmed for me because I have been daydreaming about my post pastoral life. Mm. What might I do with myself? Sure. And I had some, a, a wide range of ideas. I've got journal pages of different things I might do with myself um, post pastoral life. And um, this brought a lot of clarity to eliminating some of the things I've been daydreaming about <laughs> and pointing me in, in a more categorical direction where there's probably, you know, dozens of things within these, this category of uh, journey right? that would all be fulfilling to me. But I wish it, it's going to help me avoid the ones that would not be fulfilling to me. So you could still uh, be ful- or fulfilling your purpose yeah. in, in other ways. Yeah. And you... You know, the the idea is that when you're clicking on all eights, you know, when you really are, you you know who you are, you know how God made you, you know what poem he's telling through your life. Totally. You, that not only are you effective, like the things you do and the people you connect with are meaningful to the recipient, but you're also more energized and fulfilled than you've ever been. There's something awesome about being used by God or making a difference in somebody's life or knowing that, that God has invested in you. 
you you said we tap into the um self you know i really want to know more about me in in the genre of personality tests yeah yeah Yeah. i think it's something deeper than that it's a search for affirmation Mm. we have such a affirmation less culture we criticize each other we tease each other we rarely just affirm each other sure and um you know um if somebody if you say to yourself i can i can say to myself Jim, you're really good at that. Doggone it, you're good at that. <laughs> sure. And uh, you're not bad looking either. You know, I can sit there and look at myself in a mirror and affirm myself. Yeah. And that that's not that's not nothing. It makes me feel a little bit better. But you're a little biased. But if someone else affirms me, that's a whole nother level of affirmation. Like, really? You see that in me? Yeah. And I think that's the part these assessments speak to is a third party is saying, hey, this is in you. And this is legit. You're not just imagining. You're it not or... imagining this. This really is in you. And that's affirming. The highest level of affirmation is to overhear someone affirming your gifts to another person and they don't know you're listening. Or like, especially if they're not, uh, especially if they're not related to you, mm-hmm. you know, they got nothing to gain. Right. From they got it. no skin in the game. Yeah. 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 So there you have it. It's giftpassionstory.com. I really want to encourage you to take the assessment and share with us uh, what your experience was like. So if, for example, you took the assessment, you go, guys, you just wasted another half hour of my life. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Let us know that. I'd like to honestly know that. I don't think that's going to be your experience, but if it is, I'd like to know. Uh, Conversely, if you have a great experience, tell us. Let us know. You can email us at info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John. You can go to our website, jimandjohn.com. What else? Maybe Instagram. Instagram is a big one uh, at Jim and John. And uh, there we have a weekly post. And if you want to get in touch with us, uh, either uh, email info at Jim and John uh, or at that Instagram uh, comment there on our weekly post or uh, direct message there uh, are all good ways to get a hold of us. Yeah. So, John, I apologize. I did almost all the talking on this episode. That's not what I like to do. Uh, but I'm pretty jazzed about this and I'm eager to walk through your results yeah, and, and maybe see what your experience has been. Yeah, if I have a a transcendent moment, maybe we'll, we'll come back and talk about it. And if I'm one of the people who says you just wasted thirty minutes of my time, <laughs> maybe maybe this will be the last to talk about. But again, I doubt that'll happen. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, hey, thanks for listening to episode one fifteen. We'll catch you next week. Have a great day. 